Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us today, we have special guest Travis Bowe of Watchmen Minute. Welcome. Thank you. How's it going? Great, great, yeah. Oh, we're doing great. Yeah, thanks a lot for, for joining us, Travis. This will be... Oh, uh, my pleasure. Yeah, we're looking forward to... a weird to- sense of deja vu when I woke up this morning, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have asked you to join us to discuss Minute 33. So, Dave, what's, what's going down on Minute 33? Okay, well, on Minute 33... The locals aren't so sure they should be driving on the railroad tracks, and the police chase them as Phil barrels into uh, what looks to be a sign for Punxsutawney Phil. <laughs> yeah, so this is a continuation of uh, the, the scene we had last week, where Phil is, they, they've left the bowling alley, he's in the car with Gus and Ralph, and they're having a philosophical discussion about uh, I guess the meaning of freedom and, and freedom from consequences and, and what does it mean if there is no tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And Gus is getting a little, I think, a lesson between, you know, the, the hypothetical, theoretical, no tomorrow and a, um, you know, as, as Phil sees it, a literal no tomorrow in that we start with, with Gus saying there are some rules that he does agree with. And the the last line, the previous minute, was Phil saying, you know, running down kind of the list of things that he's not going to do or or rules of of which he will no longer abide. And he leaves off with, oh, yeah, don't drive on the railroad tracks. (laughs) And, you know, suddenly Gus is like, "Uh, maybe there are consequences. Hmm. Maybe we uh, maybe we do want to follow some rules. And I I was kind of curious if like that guitar, if I was to start off the minute. That's, it sounds like a really weird noise to have, like a guitar riff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wondering if that's supposed to be like, we're off the rails, baby. <laughs> like, it's like, we're going wild, throwing a guitar yeah. riff. <laughs> um, speaking of rules, uh, one of my big questions is, it, it, is it basically like Asimov's first rule of robotics? Does that kind of apply to, to Phil here in his uh, this little world that he's in? Like, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm because it seems like, and obviously this is kind of the, the beginning of Phil starting to play with this world that he's in. Um, Mm -hmm. But he isn't really able to, at least so far, he's not able to kill anyone or let anyone die in a direct, you know, He's not going on a murdering spree, you know. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Um, but we'll see him swerve at the last minute. And I wonder, you know, what if he didn't swerve? Could he not swerve? Or will the universe not let him take that kind of action? I saw it as is, is he's, wor- he's, he's working his way up to it. Because after he pulls off the tracks, he does say, I'm not going to go by their rules anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So I saw it as he was like, he's like 90% there of like, he'd rather play right now. Because I think he, he, I think he still thinks that, that he could die. If he dies, he will be dead. Mm. But he's like, but I'm more than happy to play around with this. Like he knows his injuries, a wet leg or like getting hit by a shovel. 
those will reset, <laughs> but he was he's probably still 100% sure about death. Yeah. But you're right about that. Like I, I think his his the fear of anything else is definitely gone. Yeah, there are there are some psychological barriers that are that are very difficult for most people to get over. And kind of the reluctance of of pain and death is is one of those barriers that even if intellectually he feels like he's caught on with what's happening with the situation that everything's going to reset and it'll be back to the morning of February 2nd when he wakes up tomorrow. Um, yeah, he's, he, he's not quite ready to, to cross that line yet. And he's having too much fun with it, with this chase to have it end so soon. Yeah. And it, he's only three days in, you know, but he's already, you know, at this uh, insane yet calm anarchist almost mm-hmm. level of uh, not playing by the rules anymore. It's, it's almost a Joker origin story. You know, <laughs> this, uh, this level of, of repetitiveness would drive you anyone insane. But I, I do love that moment of uh, just his wild eyed proclamation of not living yeah. by the rules anymore. Well, I, I like that. That's really interesting. We, we've talked a little bit about, we've kind of jumped ahead to, to, you know, I assume you know, all the folks on the show, we've all seen the movie. I assume everyone listening has seen the movie to the end. So we've we've jumped ahead and kind of talked about the end state where Phil finally arrives. But I don't think we've talked about kind of the hypothetical. What What if the cycle ended sooner than it did? What if Phil doesn't end up sort of this... Um, kind of ubermensch at the end, you know, for, for lack of a better term. I mean, he's, he's, he's worked through many issues and psychological barriers, not just the reluctance to feel pain or, or death and, and come out a better man in the end. What, yeah. What if this ended in the middle when he was still kind of crazy? What if it mm-hmm. ends at this point and then he can't get out of it? What if he lives every day kind of just crazy thinking, there, you know, there are literally no consequences. I'm just going to wake up. It'll be the same day tomorrow. But it's, you know, that's only in his mind. And the the people, the people around him, carry, you know, end up carrying the permanent effects of what he's doing. It makes you question, like the uh, mental mental state of you know serial killers or people that just go on these you know killing sprees kind of thing. Like I, I. Would not be surprised, and obviously they don't show him taking any lives, any other lives in this movie. But uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a day or two where he just said, "You know, screw it." So it, it I don't know. It, it would drive anyone insane. I think. Well, yeah, and I wonder if that was a decision on the filmmakers' part, like Ramis and, and Murray and, and the screenwriter, just to not go too dark. Because we see, you know, he does reach a suicidal point where the, the the repetition does get to him. But yeah, in terms of physical abuse, it's really. I mean, he. I, well, we're assuming that we, you know, we see Phil in, in the car with with Gus and Ralph. They get off the tracks before the train comes, um, and we assume that the police do as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're giving him the benefit of the doubt that he doesn't harm anyone else here in this scene. Later, he he takes out the groundhog fell <laughs> with himself, and you know he does he takes some liberties, let's say, with the um, 
the women of Punxsutawney, but that's true. That's a different kind of potential damage than just heading down to the local gun store, you know, hunting store and uh, sporting goods and, and picking up an AR-15 and yeah. and going nutso on the town. We we don't see him do that. He's more he's more self-destructive than than outwardly. Yeah, he'll use the this world and the rules that he has to kind of live by at, for his, you know, to his advantage, you know, so that he can find out like down to the second the way everything works and, and you know, obviously you'll have a lot of fun with that in the next in this second act that we're kind of heading into, I think after this night, um, you know, when he plays with like things like the bank truck and, and stuff like that. And obviously the, the women that, you know, Nancy, I guess. Um, My, I think, I think but, one of the things that he's gotten away with so much is because the day resets and he is the only one doing it. But if you added just one more person was also experiencing this, it would change a lot because then like they're both witnesses to each other. Mm, yeah. And it would be kind of like weird. Like you see the other person who is repeating the day and they went crazy and then the day resets and and then, <laughs> and then you're like, I know what you did, man. Like, I know what you did. Yeah. yeah. Or That'd the whole town. What, what if the whole town, like yeah. what if they all woke up and they were groundhogging too. And maybe, you know, Phil's already like he's groundhogged, you know, if you will. He's already peed that day multiple times. But what halfway through one of his horrible deeds, the day resets, but everybody like is getting the deja vu now and they remember what he did. That town would become just anarchy and no one. <laughs> I mean, that, that is pure anarchy. Like no one would ever be a better person because no one would like learn anything. They all just go crazy. Hmm. Yeah, so Phil is kind of in a a special place where he gets yeah he gets the chance to learn learn from his mistakes learn from his mistakes and so when he says um, or when I guess it was Gus who says well if there's no tomorrow that means no consequences we can do whatever we want so he gets you know he gets that opportunity to yeah not only is he able to learn from him, his mistakes but no one else remembers that the mistake was made. Yeah, I think that that would change it. Even just that that simple thing to say, what if it's just not one guy? What if it's two guys? Not even the whole town. What if it's just two people in the town that remember that all the bad things Phil does before he gets to be good yeah. kind of thing, that those those are still hanging around. It's kind of the, the uh, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, you know, like if all the bad things that, that Phil does – that no one remembers are they are they still there <laughs> yeah and and if there was a second person it would make it even like longer to try and let's say yeah like one guy's a bad guy and one another guy's is sort of a you know bad guy. they're both like two types of fills you know they're both miserable people mm-hmm. when they start off and if they were both witnesses to each other both repeating it would almost be impossible for them to ever get out because i don't think any one of them would ever come to the realization of like oh let's, let's just be better people because if one guy's trying to be a better person during the day and the other person, they go off and do something crazy. Like they blow up Groundhog and Punks and, and, and Punks of 20 and the day resets. It's going to be it would be really hard to try. And, you know, Phil's is unique in this. And that's the best. part. It's like it's I don't want to say it's the best situation to be in because you don't want to repeat the day. But for him to be better, it is good that he's alone. He gets to kind of reflect on himself because if there was another person, I don't think he would learn anything. So, so Travis, I, 
I wonder if you've thought about this. I see a lot of parallels or connections between uh, between this and and Watchmen. One of the themes in Watchmen is is consequences, mm. and I sure. think because that's kind of for folks that aren't as familiar. If we have listeners that aren't as familiar with either the Watchmen, uh, the comics, or the movie, it's a take on on superheroes, and it's a different sort of take. Kind of looking at the next step, the the stereotypical superhero story is a literal superhero, is someone who is more than human, not just in their physical prowess, but also intellectually and emotionally, and they're, they're, they're kind of perfect, and everything kind of turns out right, and it's... And it's become more common these days, but I think Watchmen may have been one of the first, if not the first, to kind of look at the collateral damage and what happens what happens after you're done superheroing. Yeah, it imagines it imagines those heroes as real people in a way that mm-hmm. we never see, you know, a character like Clark Kent, you know, on his worst day or if he was a real person. You know, he's he's mild mannered and he's always does the right thing, but what if that person, you know, didn't have a didn't have superpowers and was just a guy, you know, putting on a suit like Batman? What if that person didn't have like a purely good moral compass, or the world he lived in wasn't uh, was I guess you know play, plays with a different set of rules like like Phil's here? I mean, what Alan Moore did with Watchmen was just like I said to deconstruct the superhero image and kind of show them as real people. And how they would, uh, how the world would change once they came around. Yeah. So I'm just thinking ahead to, you know, the point, there's a couple different points in the movie where Phil tries to connect with Rita and tries to explain Mm, what he's experiencing. And at one point he says, you know, he says, I'm a God because I know everything about all these people in the town and, and, kind of does the, the parlor trick kind of psychic thing where he knows everyone's name and where they were born and their hopes yeah. and dreams and, and whatnot. And I could see like, just as, you know, kind of that plate, that scene plays out the same way. Instead of saying I'm a God, he could say I'm a superhero. Mm, yeah. And, and this is my power that I know everything about everyone in this town kind of mm. thing. That's funny because we just, uh, over on Watchmen minute, we just recorded, um, the episode covering where uh, John, Dr. Manhattan, is being interviewed on TV and one of the reporters asking a question is given the fact that he can see, you know, the past and the and the future simultaneously, you know, does that make him in fact a god? And then his response is that he can only see his own past and his own future, but uh, it definitely, you know, kind of lines up with the way Phil, like he's able to draw on his past. Can't really, well, he can kind of see the future in that he knows what's going to happen. He knows that the waiter is going to drop the tray. He knows that the way things are going to play out. So yeah, Phil is, is kind of a Dr. Manhattan in this, uh, in this movie for this day. Yeah. For (laughs) this one day. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of of superhero movies and superhero podcasts, it kind of ties in with your other podcast, Dave, the Five Minutes of Mystery, where you talk about the the wonderful classic mm-hmm. Mystery Men, five minutes at a time. And, and one of the things 
um, you know, for our listeners, if we have any listeners who haven't been tuning in to Five Minutes of Mystery, shame on you. You should check it out. It's a wonderful <laughs> podcast. But if you haven't, one of the things Dave does is he asks his guests to invent a superhero persona and what your ability would be. And usually it's there's a certain silliness or uselessness to the abilities to kind of mirror the heroes in the movie. I mean, you've got a guy who's good with silverware and another guy who's good with a shovel. You know, it's not, it, you know, it's not exactly Captain America and, and, and Thor you're dealing with. And kind of Phil fits, fits that mold as a superhero that he's got this ability, but it's limited to one day a year in Punxsutawney. <laughs> the other 364 days of the year and the rest of the universe, he's just a normal Phil, but this one day, this one town, he has this, this special ability. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. And yo, that that that's a good way of go. that's a good way of looking at it. It's just like he, I guess the only difference is I've never thought about that with Phil is because right now Phil isn't doing anything heroic. You know, he is he's 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 realizing himself right now, and, but it's right now it's all we're still in the just the that's we're definitely in the selfish section. Of Phil, he's in no mm-hmm. way does he want to help anyone in this town. He just wants to, he wants to get out, and now he wants to make sense of his predicament. So he's not a hero in any way, but he does have, he just he realizes he has a power that he can, he can do anything on this day, and he can have no consequences when it repeats. Oh yeah, yeah, he's definitely not not a mm-hmm. hero yet. He's still gotta, he's still gotta figure it out. Yeah, if he's still in. Um, and maybe that's the problem with the Joker. Maybe the Joker eventually would turn into a Batman. He's just got to work through the cycle enough time. <laughs> yeah, he's got to learn what to, the rules to are. Realize. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's still he's got to finish testing all the boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I'm sure there's there's plenty of time that, that Phil spends as a Joker, um, even more than we see that we just, you know. They skip over it in the movie, but it's yeah. I I assume there's like a deleted scene where him and and, and Mrs. Lancaster they they both they get you know they get their swords and it's like a Highlander battle. Oh. And she's like asking how well he slept, and he's like, "You damn well know." And a, on like a, on a hilltop somewhere in Pennsylvania. Yeah, you know, hmm. I'll teach you to spell espresso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And then, so I want to, I will, eh, we can jump around, but the next thing I got is the, at the end of the minute, this, this, and I guess it kind of ties in with, with Phil kind of being a joker here. The line is you make choices and you live with them. When like the whole point of this scene, the whole point of what he's doing in this minute is that he's not, he's, he's counting on not living. With his that's, consequences, yeah, no, that's like, what I was. I was curious if he was easy because wait, when does he laugh? Does he laugh right before or right after it? I gotta look at that again. I think it's like right before. He, he almost has like a Joker grin. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I was. That's what I think of. He's laughing at how yeah but, that line used to be important. That's how I thought it. I, I saw it as like he's yeah. he's almost mocking some parent or some teacher when he was a child that said that. You make choices and you live with them. And he now he's laughing at it. He's just laughing at the whole thing. He's like, I don't have to, I don't have to play by those rules anymore. That's how I saw it. It's, the okay. same, it's like almost a continuation of what he said before the railroad tracks. Like, remember all these things? I can laugh at them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense because he's certainly not acting that way. He's he's acting like the previous line where he says, "I'm not going to live by their rules anymore." That's more in line with what he's actually. And, doing. and I think what he's saying there, I think he's. I don't think he. I was trying to think like, what does he mean there? Does he mean like fate? Does he mean like a, whatever the higher power is keeping him there, or does he mean by the people that set the rules, like his parents, like his teachers, like? people in the the society that say these are the rules i think that's what he means by there what do you think what do you what's your take mm-hmm. travis yeah take it away <laughs> um <laughs> i think he means society he's not going to play by society's rules anymore okay and that's an interesting thing because it's not uncommon we kind of i do it we all kind of do it i think most of us do it at some point at least talk about you know the metaphorical they just in general for society or or the assumptions and it's good it's good to question those i mean maybe not maybe not in the to the extent that phil is doing here i'm not suggesting anyone go out and, and yes, drive on the railroad tracks i'm def i'm no don't and and if you do and it doesn't turn out well don't sue us because we told you do not do drive not on have this podcast tracks. playing when you but do it, it. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> you guys know what, no. what they're suggesting. Go on. But otherwise, sometimes it is good to to question those things, to you know, those assumptions, those rules of society, to say, you know, and you know, why do we do this? Why is it true? Is it true just because everyone? Everyone says so. And, you know, sometimes some traditions are good and sometimes things that are are locked in aren't, you know, aren't good or the reason for that tradition or the reason for that custom has passed and it's it's no longer useful. What Sean is saying is some rules like driving on train tracks are made to be broken. No, no stop. I got, now I put like a like a twenty minute disclaimer in here. <laughs> Groundhog Day minute does not <laughs> the views of our guests are not a- Please consult your therapist if you're having repeating days. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's, yeah. Okay, so we bring back into the movie, whereas now we have what, we have like what looks to be probably the entire Punks of 20 police force on them now. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing there's, there's probably what, like, like two cop cars in the whole department. And they're both, yeah, well, they're both dedicated yeah, to chasing yeah. this guy. Well, like we said, like no one else is in this town either. A, it, everyone's at still at the Groundhog Ball dancing, or B, it's you know it's late, so late at night, everyone is in bed, and these are the only three goofballs still driving around. Yeah, I assume it's like two in the morning. Yeah, because I mean that's that's how I looked at it. Yeah, is that is that like how Phil's looking at this moment right now? He's looking at the clock, and he knows in like a few hours he's going to reset into Mrs. Lancaster's bed and breakfast. So to him, this is almost like the end of the universe. Like this is as far as he can go. He can push his boundary of staying up because he knows when that clock rolls around, boom, he's in bed. (laughs) Something I just thought about is there's really not a lot of snow on the ground for just, you know, the edge of town just being hit with a blizzard. So why couldn't he just, you know, cruise on down the road and see how far it could take him? We yeah we we keep bringing we keep bringing it up how it, it always feels ma- in a magical level of how Phil can't get out of the town yeah he he wants to drive well at least at least the one of, what Sean you're saying in the earlier stories that he kept trying to drive out 
Yeah, so in the in the first version of the script, he keeps mm-hmm. trying to leave town and there's sort of this this magical blizzard that is surrounding Punxsutawney. That I mean and, and then they, they, they cut it and, and I think it's fine, it would have taken a lot of time. In the movie we just see the one attempt and the one road out of town yeah. that snowed out. But yeah, and originally he he tries driving in all directions and this is sort of a donut. There's blizzard all around, all the roads are closed except for Punxsutawney, where it doesn't really snow, um, at least on this day. So kind of Truman Show level of like the, the entire place is surrounded by water kind of thing. That is a good mm-hmm. comparison, Truman Show, because I, if, if Truman ever did that, if he got crazy and he like got in the car and started driving on the railroad tracks, how much they would have to like divert the trains off just so like he, you know, he wouldn't hit any of them. It is something. It's just like it, you know. At least in the, that universe, they can't have Truman get killed on national television. They have, yeah. they got to keep because he has, this, if you will, Sean. He has that that same Groundhog Day that you talk mm-hmm. about. Where it's like you repeat the same day over and over again, and yeah, and that's what Truman was doing. They, it's just that his was was purposely scripted. Right, right. Whereas here, it's being scripted by Mrs. Lang. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Oh, she, your uh, the yeah. puppet master in your. Oh, definitely. In your uh, Groundhog Theory? Oh, yeah. She is – she's um, – well, we haven't determined if she's Satan <laughs> oh, or not. Okay. If she's a good – you know, a good spirit or a bad spirit. But she's mm. definitely in on it. Yeah. There's nice. no doubt about that. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. So so this is – I haven't thought about it this way. But it's – this is kind of like – I think they call it a bottle yeah. episode. In, in television series, you have an episode <laughs> where everyone's kind of trapped – there's the like the one episode of Breaking Bad where Walter White and Jesse are uh, are kind of in their lab and they're trying to and, the fly um, episode. Yeah. yeah, the fly episode. Walter's like he won't let them do any cooking, any any of their meth making till they track down that that fly. And it's all it's all just them in the room where. So this is kind of just an extended bottle episode where Phil is is stuck in this town. I mean, it's a bigger bottle, but he's still trapped. Um, you like, yeah, I only, I think the only note I had was right at the end when the cops come over the hill, it has a Sears store, but that Sears store mm-hmm. looks really small for, but I guess that's what all department stores would look like in this little town. You see that? I've seen Lance, in one of the towns I kind of grew up in, there's like a Sears hardware store or a, just a small Sears, you know, it's where you'd buy your lawnmower or whatever, but they don't sell. It's not a... Mm-hmm. It's not like the one that we've got, you know, at the mall where okay. it's, you know, got everything. So I, I think small towns sometimes will have a Sears store. Okay, all right. So I, I was just curious of it. I was like, I, was like, I, was like, I only, I only know yeah the Sears of the mall, right? Yeah, that would be my guess. It's probably yeah a lot of lawnmowers yeah, and craftsman yeah. tools, but maybe not, you know not the full electronics department and. Home goods it's usually like it's like a hardware store, but they might also sell, you know, almost like a tractor supply kind of store. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I honestly don't really know like what I guess. I mean, you know, stuff like that. Sears, Macy's, JCPenney's. I've always known them to have, quote, everything. And I'm just like, I guess they, they must have small stores where they have like whatever they're, they're they know is the good money maker, which is the appliances and uh, and the hardware. Just, yeah. I just that's just yeah, it's just me thinking that you know it's like oh yeah, what does this yeah, what does it look like when it's not in a mall? <laughs> yeah, I know in uh, yeah. in 
Man of Steel, one of the buildings in Smallville during the Battle of Smallville that gets trashed is a Sears. And it's like a lot of washers and dryers and like small appliances and things like that. But it's not a huge department store. Oh, yeah. The uh, the Sears that was right across from that IHOP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very prominently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the movie. Damn it! It really tickled you. Yeah, it was like it was like a little little bug yeah. that just got up in got there. It. Just thinking about Superman Zodfight, just a guy like just hey, I don't know. The kitchen might get hit next. We better get these pancakes out now. <laughs> like start dropping the checks now. Yeah. <laughs> start dropping the checks. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, yeah, yeah. sounds like we're about done with minute 33. So this is – I like the – at least as, as we wrap up this minute, the large – probably wood, like the large wooden – not really a statue, sign, whatever. The giant fill the groundhog is is still standing. And so I, I like to think that the yeah. car stops just in time and, yeah, yeah. and Phil's okay here. Yeah. Uh, one little quick note I had that I want to make sure and get in, and it's a great detail while they're uh, on the on the tracks, mm-hmm. is I mean obviously they're all you know uh, Phil and Gus are like doing their bumpy talking kind of vibration voice, mm-hmm. but then when the cop comes over the loudspeaker, it's also uh, got that same like bumpy texture to it. Oh shoot! The yeah, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, that all the conversation. I think the only one that isn't bumpy is I think when he when Phil says I think he's going to swear first. I think they must have redone that. Oh yeah, because that yeah. came out like oh because of that. Yeah, you had like every blah, 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 is talking like this, and then it was just like yeah. I think he's going to swear first. It was just like it wasn't <laughs> bumpy. It almost stood out that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they got one, and then they they missed one. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good good catch on the uh, yeah the cop over the loudspeaker. I like that. Good stuff. All right, Travis. Well, thank My you pleasure. for joining us. And so, if folks if if folks want to hear more of your uh, your your superhero hmm. movie insight, um, you can go to uh, we're at Watchmen Minute on Twitter and Instagram and at Facebook. You can find us. Um, we've got a page for Watchmen Minute and then we have a group where you can get a little more in-depth discussion which is the Crime Busters Listener Society but uh, other than that you know search Mm -hmm. Watchmen Minute on pretty much any uh, podcast app and you should find us so nice thank you all right well yeah thanks a lot for for that and uh, for our listeners yeah I suggest checking out uh, checking out the Watchmen Minute a great podcast a lot of fun and bringing great insight to uh, to a great movie there. And so that is it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow, <laughs> if there is one. <laughs>